The Ringer Gambling Show is here to help you place your bets on the biggest sports around the world. Join NFL analyst Warren Sharp on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays with guests Chris Vernon, Ben Solak, and Joe House to guide you through the NFL betting landscape. Each week, they'll cover everything from spreads, game totals, and parlays to player props, futures, post-game reactions, and more. Check out The Ringer Gambling Show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find out what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older, 18 and older in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. And we are back. On Real Ones Radio, and um, I'm here with Raja Bell. And Raja, we have someone in the building that's really, really upset. And he's from Memphis. He has a he's a motherfucking legend in the whole city of Memphis. But I don't can't get why he's so mad. Raja, we have Chris Vernon of the Mismatch. Chris, why are you so mad? Will people just let small markets thrive without this bullshit of trying to get the good players to the big markets all the time? Nobody wants to play for your team. Nobody, draft somebody good. Stop trying to poach everybody from small markets to get to the bigger markets. We don't need the big market. John Morant was second in fan voting. From the smallest market, second in media voting from the smallest market, second in player voting from the smallest market. He doesn't need you, L.A. He doesn't need you, New York. He doesn't need you, Chicago. He doesn't need you, Tokyo. He doesn't need anybody. Leave the small markets alone stop hating start congratulating and just enjoy it john moran's in memphis to stay get used to it stop putting mock uniforms on him of another team in five years find your own good player leave ours alone Real ones, Logan Murdoch here, Raja Bell there. Hey, Raja. Hey, yo, Raja. What do you do? Hey, hey, yo, Raja. So, I'm really excited about this episode, Um, in particular because one of my first internships was at a nice little place called um, the Commercial Appeal in Memphis. And in the summer of 2017, right before shit started to pop, it started off in Memphis. You know, one of my first big stories was when Zach Randolph left and I had to go on the ground and report that. Go down Beale Street, go down to South Haven, go down to lock in. I ate rendezvous every week. It's time, Raja, for motherfucking Grizzlies Palooza. And you know who else we got in the building, Raja? Who we got in the building, building, building? You know who we got in the fucking building, Raja? You know who we got in the building, Raja? We got Verno in this motherfucker. We got Chris Vernon in here. You know who else we got? We got the real KLC in the motherfucking building. 
What's up, y'all? How y'all doing, man? How's everything going? How you guys doing? I've never been to Memphis. <laughs> 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 hey, and I, I now have just uh, reconsidered how I introduced Kevin. Yours is so much better. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. That meant a, that meant a lot, man. It's, it's good to have you guys on the show, man. No it's good doubt. to have you guys. Yeah, man. Glad to be here. Have I told you my Memphis story, though, Logan? Have I, I've told you my story about the, the Piedmont Hotel in Memphis? Peabody. No. Peabody. Come on. Peabody. 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 Some respect. How some dare respect. you? Some respect. I'm sorry. Story <laughs> fucked up. I can't even go into it. No. <laughs> One of the most genuine <laughs> people I ever met. City, right? That's what I'm with the ducks in the, in the, the, in the, in the thing. Yep. Okay. Straight up. That's fucked up. I used to send summers in, in Memphis to White Station. Shout out. Um, this this cat, I needed something pressed, right? And at the time, like they're, they, they didn't have the capability for some reason. Machinery was down or it was too late to send it out. Whatever was going on. My man was like, you really need that shirt? I was like, yes, I really do, dude. I only brought one suit and one shirt. Like, I have nothing to wear to the game tomorrow. He took my shirt home, and his wife hand-ironed my shit, and he brought it back to me the next day. Oh, Southern hospitality. Yeah, I don't know his name. I wish I did. But, yes, it was one of the most genuine, like, thoughtful things I ever had done for me in, in, a, in an NBA city. So dope. That, that just warms my heart, okay? You know what else? Let's start the show off, man. You know what else warms Raj's heart? Chris Vernon and KOC. John Morant. The fact is, the man is a is a baller. How good is John Morant? I'm gonna start off with Vernon. Let's go to KOC. How, how you're down ten toes down, Verno. How good is John Morant up close? I mean, I have never, I have never had the pleasure of getting to watch somebody like him every night. Um, what he has turned into this year is one of the best handful of players in the NBA. You know, his rookie year, he was amongst the top five scorers in the last five minutes of games, like the fourth quarter. He was a great scorer down the stretch and you could see glimpses of, and then the second year there was, it was a weird year. They lost Jared Jackson for the season and it was and then he got injured. It didn't go the way he wanted to. And it was a lot of figuring out, you know, last season. And I think that there were a lot of people that then started sleeping on him. You saw that when ESPN came out with their list, and that was last spring. It was in April of 2021. He was not listed amongst the best players under 24 years old. So that's how it had gone. And then he came back this season and literally from night one, and you could go find the dunk that happened against Cleveland and the block that happened against Cleveland on opening night, you could tell, oh boy, something something is different here. And obviously, as the year has gone on, it has just gotten better and better and better for him. And that's despite missing 12 games in the middle of all of it. Um, he has now... He he has gone like it's almost like he bypassed star. Mm. That's what I would say. He went straight from a guy that people were not thinking of nearly as highly as they did after his rookie of the year to superstardom. KOC, when you look from a national perspective, how big has Jaws stock risen? over the last few years, or the last few months, actually. And and how do you think that it, it'll keep going? When did he get onto the national scene in your eyes? Because I already know, man, we're going to talk about this even more throughout this this pod. He's been certified in the streets. But when did when did the league start to take a notice of who Ja Morant was as a player? I mean, I think Verno would agree with me probably this season um, in terms of like him just going from more than uh, whatever he was to more than a star, because I think with John Morant, he, I mean, you, from a production standpoint, him going from a 19 point per game guy to somebody averaging 25 plus running the offense on a top three seat in the Western conference and having as many all-star votes as he did. I mean, I think this is the year where people were like, okay, Jaws taking that leap. And I mean, for me, when I watch him play there, there are, there are a lot of great, stars in the NBA, especially right now. Um, but with, with Jai, I think his clutch performance, the way he just runs the show, he, when Chris said he's beyond a star, I think he's a star in the sense that you can just, you trust him 
in those moments. He is somebody who comes through and he inspires belief in his teammates. Um, that they like, they have that in him. It's sort of, I mean, it's, I, I hate always bringing it up, but it's like growing up a fan of Tom Brady. Like you always believed, you always believed your team had a chance to win the game with him as your quarterback. And I think with John Morant, I'm sure like for like your son and all his friends, Chris, that watch John Morant, they watch John Morant and they think their team has a chance to win because of their point guard. And I just think John Morant has that kind of effect on the game that only really some special star players do. That's a separator. Of, of stars from superstars, what you're describing is, is that knack to just be able to get it done. And, you know, people's faith in you sometimes, the funny part about that is like, it inspires the faith that you have in me. And then there are nights where the faith that you have in me inspires me to just get that shit done because I can't let you down. <laughs> yeah. like, do you know what I mean? It's a weird dynamic like that. When I, when I watch him, I think, I mean, he, Kyrie is as gifted a scorer as I've ever seen in person, right? With the basketball in his hands, skill level. I think John Moran is exponentially like faster, uh, more dynamic an athlete. And I would say right now, probably the toughest person in the league to keep in front of you. Like just from a sheer, I, I would be interested to hear you guys' take. You watch the games more than me. But when I watch him, I'm left wondering like who the fuck can stay in front of him? Like with, as, with like singularly, who would be able to stay in front of him? No, the only chance that people have, I mean, he, look, they played Philly two nights ago. I think if people are talking about who are the best perimeter defenders in the NBA, Thibault is on the short list, right? Yep. Game's on the line. I mean, Thibault's jockstrap was at the at midcourt. <laughs> I mean, he just blew past him like he yeah. didn't even <laughs> exist, yep. right? And that's and that's Thibault. Your, your only chance with him is to put a big wing on him and then the Knicks actually did as good a job as you can do last night. Put RJ on him for a while. You, you take a big wing, you put him on him, and you make him see a second guy at the free throw line. Yeah, You know what I mean? And now what the problem is, he is now, you know, like he functions as a guy that wants to set up somebody else, right, first. And so the problem is now, okay, if you're going to choose that, then Jared Jackson's going to have 26 points last night. Zaire Williams going to have 21 points last night. If you want to do the, because, and that's the choice he forced you to make, and this is why they've got the third best record in the NBA. Because if you play drop coverage, he's going to have 40 points. Right. You have no chance. He's going to stop short of you. And he had, you know, they played against Utah last year in the playoffs. And there was a bit of foreshadowing with that of what was going to happen this season because he had 47 on the road against the number one seed and the defensive player of the year, you know, standing in front of their basket and most of which was in the paint. And so that goes to show even the best at drop coverage, you're going to get murdered if you try to guard him one-on-one. But if you are going to make him see a second guy, he's such a good passer and facilitator that now you're going to, you are at the mercy of the other guys and you can make that decision and you could just say, okay, well then the other guys are going to have to beat us. But to your point on not being able to stay in front of him, I saw Kurt Goldsberry tweet this out this morning. John Morant's on pace to be the first guard to lead the NBA in points in the paint since the league began tracking the stat over hmm. 25 years ago. Of his 26 points per game, 16 of which happened in the lane. Bro, that's incredible. With a with a game plan in place to stop that from happening. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. I, I think with, with Ja, um, and me and Raja have talked about this a lot. I, I I became a believer, and I know this is one of the, the probably one of Verno's favorite moments as, as a Grizzlies, as a Grizzlies fanatic. When he went up in the Chase Center and just in the in the uh, playing game, and just stared down Steph, and was like, "No, I'm gonna take your lunch. I'm gonna do it. I'm, I'm just, I'm, this is this is my house." When he did that, it was it was just a special. It was a special performance. I was able to be at Chase Center when that happened, and just was in sheer disbelief that he just he just went up against you know the, probably the best point guard in the league right now, and just said, "No, no I got this." My question, and I want to start off to, with KOC when I ask this. When you talk about a team like this that's so good, they're third in the they're third in the Western Conference. They're about seven games out of first place, but they're they're third in the Western Conference. They're right in the thick of things. But it's you get the air that they're they're probably a year ahead of schedule. I think it, I, me and Roger talked about this about the Atlanta Hawks last year. They're about a, they're about a year ahead of schedule. They're, they're they're catching a lot of teams by surprise. 
KOC, in your opinion, I'll start with you. Do you think this is a team that should make a trade at this point in, at, at, to go to the next level, or are they good at the current trajectory that they're at? Do they need to make a move at this very, at this very moment or in the offseason to – you know, OKC did it a few years back. Um, do they need to do that? Or are they good right now with their current trajectory? Uh, I'd say no, they don't need to do anything. I, I would say yes, they should want to do something. Um, mm. But want and need are, are two different things uh, for the in, for the NBA general manager right now, because so much of it is, well, what players are available? What are what opportunities are there? And I mean, I think about somebody like a Jeremy Grant or a John Collins, like this week, there's a ton of John Collins like stuff out there. Like you're hearing about Sacramento, you're hearing about Portland for that matter. You're hearing about other teams that are going after Collins. And it's like, is that, is that worth it for Memphis? Is it worth it to go for, you know, Jeremy Grant? And I mean, I think the price right now, it's probably a little higher than I'd feel comfortable with for the Grizzlies. And I mean, I, I think from a chemistry standpoint, they're the, their chemistry is so great that they could withstand a trade and still just keep on sailing. Um, but I, I don't think there's a trade right now, at least from what I've heard personally, that is worth them breaking that whole thing. Good thing up right now. Cause they're in such a good spot. Like Chris, yeah. you said Zaire Williams, he's starting games. Like John Conchar has started games this year. They're in a position right now. They're still in an evaluation and development stage. Like I wouldn't rush it unless it's right. And I don't think mm -hmm. the right deals out there right now. I can you, Raja, can you, can a team trade too early and fuck everything up? Is, is that something? Is that, Absolutely. is that, Okay. All right. One thousand percent. And I would. I mean, while I tend to, I agree with with KOC, but I I would say like chemistry is, you know, it's just that man. It's 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 chemistry. It's an experiment. Like it's very fragile. And so, you know, if you're kind of, we're going to agree that they're playing a little bit with house money right now. You're kind of ahead of the curve, and you are in that evaluation kind of still period. I don't know. I think you could fuck that up with the wrong piece brought in, right? Like you know what I mean? Like you've just got a bunch of dudes out there. That love the hoop. They're young. The way they play with energy and passion, and it looks like they play for each other. I'm not saying that you definitely would or that you couldn't withstand, it, you know, a, a, a trade. But I'd be real careful with with making a move too early and bringing in the wrong piece. Like I, I just where I'm sitting right now, I don't know that I'd be willing to pull the trigger unless it was, you know, unless it was something just ridiculous. And I don't have that name off the off the top right now. Well, and they have been very good, and the reason that things are the way they are is, and I've been around all 21 versions now of the <laughs> roster. There is not one prick on that team. Not <laughs> one. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they have done, when people pull the whole, uh, you know, every coach that ever gets hired, and I, I think I've covered seven, they're all going to change the culture, you know? Oh, yeah, what we're going to do is we're going to build a culture here, you know, like San Antonio has, like Miami has, like whatever. They all say the same thing, right? And then they never do it. These guys have pulled it off. And because what they have realized and what they were ahead, uh, you know, I don't want to say ahead of the curve, but one of the things they realized was culture is people. And they got the right people. You know, when all the way down to the very end of the bench, when the 15th guy is able to come in, help, and then you got John Morant and you got Jaron Jackson and you got everybody else on that bench up waving towels going crazy when who the 15th guy was at one point the number, what, six pick in the draft probably thought, oh, thank God I've got a new lease on life. And this is Jared Culver, right? Jared Culver, who... He's is sixth pick of the draft. They they go and they sign Malik Beasley with their free agent money. They go and they draft Anthony Edwards, and he's just cast away. And he gets traded to Memphis, and he's probably like, hell yeah, young team, now I'm going to get my chance. And he really doesn't play. And then because of COVID, because of injuries, now at some point he starts. At some point he gets to play a bunch. He's guarding Kevin Durant in the game in Brooklyn, and he's having success, and everybody's going crazy. And he's going crazy for everybody else. And when you can pull that off, and so what they do is this extensive evaluation on who that guy is, what drives that guy, how much that guy cares, you know, and I've talked about this even on our show with KOC. 
I've left the arena 10 times after games, no, no less than 10 times, and you will hear gospel music blaring and hear a basketball bouncing in the practice gym after a game Jarrett Culver has never even played in. And I give this story just to explain why that team is the way that team is, is because of stuff like that. Because the 15th guy, he didn't just play. He, he didn't play. He knows he's going to get his chance. When he when he gets his chance, he's ready. And after games, when he's just had his warm-up on the whole game, he's in there practicing. Like, that's the kind of guys that they find. So I think no matter – I think you could be confident that if they made a trade, they have been so stringent in who they bring into the mix that they're not going to mess it up. They're not. They're not going to – they're not they, – they know what they have and they know the type of guys they have, and you're going to have to be that type of guy. They There is now, and that's the best thing you can say about a successful franchise, there is a Grizzlies type of player. And we said that all the time for many years. That guy's a Miami Heat type of player. That guy's a San Antonio type of player. They now have a Grizzlies type of player. Let's take a, a quick break, and I want to talk about something that Verno has been impassioned about. This episode is brought to you by Visible Wireless. Want a wireless provider that always brings its A-game? Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. And as if that wasn't already a huge win, you could use promo code RINGER20 to receive $20 off your first month just for listening to us talk about basketball. Not bad, right? You don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Just switch to Visible at Visible.com and use promo code RINGER20. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. And we are back. I'm just going to get right to it. Verno, can you just give me 15 seconds on uh, why the league has Jaron Jackson fucked up? I can't give you 15 seconds on anything. <laughs> I talk forever. I talk forever. Give me a minute Look, and a half. On, Jaron on, Jackson <laughs> just turned 21 years old less than a month ago. Uh, Jaron Jackson missed most of the season last season, almost all of the season. He missed part of his rookie year. He missed part of his second year. This is the first full healthy year. And years two and three were already screwed up because of COVID and everything else, right? One was the bubble, and then he tears up his knee in the bubble. And then last year, after surgery, you got all the COVID stuff going on, too. So this is now, he's 21 years old. He is, I think, in the end, by the time this is all said and done, he's going to end up winning Defensive Player of the Year in the NBA. And I think because the the counting stats are going to support it and the advanced stats are going to support it. And he is what people have not noticed about this team as much as they should have. A, on the defensive end and how great they have become on the defensive end. But more importantly, on the offensive end, he provides that space for Ja Morant. He then has totally unlocked, you know, Brandon Clark was one of the top five, 10 rookies in the league his rookie year. And then he went to hell in a handbasket last year. And everybody's like, what happened to him? You know what I mean? He can't shoot. He wasn't even in the rotation by the time he got to the playoffs. It's like, what the hell? This is a terrible story. This guy was awesome his rookie year. The second year, he's not any good. Well, he was good. He just was doing all things that were wildly out of character. Now he's got to stretch the floor. So now he's getting the ball when it's kicked out to corner three. He can't shoot it, right? So everything he did his rookie year was within eight feet from the basket. He's one of the most effective players in the entire NBA. Well, guess what happened? Jaron Jackson didn't play. So now you're four guy. You're trying to create space for John Morant. Well, if you're going to play him, you got to be able to create the space. Well, so now... He's unlocked Brandon Clark, too, because on offense, you could play Clark at center. So he does everything eight feet from the basket. And Jaron Jackson can be, you know, out on the wing, creating even more space for him. On the flip side, he can play defensively at four. And Jaron then can be your center. And he can be your rim protector. And this guy's athletic enough to chase everybody around, right? So 
and and you and I could go on and on at the players in which just having him out there has unlocked something else. And I do think that yes, Jod deserves immense amount of credit for his progression as a player. But make no mistake about it, having Jaron Jackson in that lineup this year and having somebody that you have to honor thirty feet away from the basket as one of your bigs. Guess what? That lane's open now. And when that lane is open, you've got a guy that has had multiple games, as we just chronicled, 20 points per, uh, you know, on many occasions in the paint, and he's averaging more points in the paint than anybody has in 25 years. I mean, in part, that's because of Jaron. And by the way, he's younger than Morant. That's crazy. <laughs> that's crazy. That's crazy. You know what I mean? I just want to agree with all of that and say, I think he's dope. And can I still just say, like, I hate looking at the jump shot, even though it's cash. <laughs> I hate looking at it. And, and, like, this is the old curmudgeon in me, but I'm going to yep. say it. I want my 7-1 guy to average more than 5.9 rebounds a game. That's it. That's all I'm going to say. But I get it. He's he out is. Hey, that's because of Steven Adams. Steven Adams. Adams. No, I, yes, they're a great rebounding team. I'm just saying. I know I'm yeah. wrong. It's just an old curmudgeon. I, it's just what I look at. I'm like, Fuck. You see he is, I will say. I, <laughs> AAU Roger, you got to relax. AAU Roger, got to relax. You have to relax. Some guys, some guys don't average the rebounds because, and I went through this years ago with Marc Gasol, right? People would say, Marc Gasol only averages X number of rebounds a game. It's like, well, yeah. That's because Zebo's got 15 every friggin' night, right? right? So my thing is, are you fighting for him? Are you boxing out your position? And so I started to pay attention to this a lot. And I think what you'll find, the more you watch them, he's 20 feet away from the basket. That's, That's where guys is. play yeah. now. When, yeah. when fours play, when he played, go look at when Adams has been out. He's averaged double-digit rebounds. I, just look, I like that center. better. I'm just saying. You I like I mean? it better. He'll, hey. he'll end up being a center. <laughs> hey, he'll end up being a center and you will get your wish. K- KOC. So when we talk about Triple J, I don't know if you guys call him that. That might be a little weird. I don't yeah. Know. Okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. Well, trip or now? Uh huh. You want to get this one going? Well, we got You Let's guys might it. like this. What's you know that what he name? calls himself? What's that? And it started and now people start to block Panther. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I gotta marinate on that. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not sure. in on that I'm yet not, either. Not, yeah, yeah. Block Panther. Hey, hey. I'm all the way out. <laughs> well, you, that's too corny. Of a you don't like Black Panther oh, KOC? It's too corny. No, it's a good nickname for kids. Put it on a t-shirt, but it's not a nickname oh, for God. a podcast. <laughs> so when we talk about how much did, when he got his meniscus injury, how much did that kind of shape the narrative what Jaron Jackson Jr. was, right? Because when it, I remember when he came to town after, whenever he would come to the Bay Area, it was always, oh, he's good, but you know, is that meniscus? I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen with his knees. Is he Okay. Seems like when, now that he's getting a, a lot uh, f- more fully healthy, it seems like he is uh, a better player. But how much has that shaped kind of his early career? I mean, I de- it definitely shaped him to be out injured uh, in terms of the perception of him. I, I still think, at least for me, I can only speak for me personally, but it's about like the things like his fall rate. Like he's not falling as often. The rebounding, like that'd be nice if he starts rebounding more, like when he plays five more often, like uh, Raja was saying, but like Steven Adams is there now. Like the pieces fit to complement the strengths and weaknesses and roles and responsibilities of all the players. And, and with Jaron Jackson, with that meniscus, I mean, he seems to be past that. They were conservative bringing him back, um, but he's came back and that it, the, fall, uh, the fall rate is down. He's not falling as often as he did in past seasons. Uh, like the, the shooting ability has turned around mid season. He was shooting sub 30%. He's over 40% the last 10 to 15 games. And you hope that sustains. I mean, it seems like it, it, it more likely than not that it will because of his prior shooting ability before last season and in college for that matter. Um, so I think with the meniscus, it's just another bump in the road that so many young players have to deal with, but unless it becomes something that he could keeps getting hurt, um, I, I don't I don't look at that as much of a big deal at this point anymore because he he looks like better than he ever has ever uh, right now. And that comes after post injury, after some early struggles with injuries. If anything, I, I think it kind of shapes perspective of him in a positive way because he he went through an injury that sidelined him for a lot of time and came back better. And that that to me is admirable. 
I want to I ask you a question, Verno, because you're around them a lot more than the rest of us. Um, and they're two dudes that really I'm in, intrigued by, right? Like, one's injured right now, Dylan Brooks, right? I just, I mean, the way the way he plays, he plays with He's got with a the, Raja, Raja Bell in him. No, he does. He plays with, like, an ignorance about, like, who he's supposed to be that I love. Like, he's yep. like, I don't, you know, <laughs> dude, what are you talking about? Um, and Desmond Bain. I feel the same way about him. Bain. Like, do they have this, like, is that is that a... Is that something from from coach? Is that a mantra? Are they underdogs in their mind? Are they like what what is the deal? Yeah. Why why do I love them like that? Okay, I think that both of those guys they are similar in some ways. So massive chips on their shoulders. And this yep. has been true of a lot of guys that you have seen that have had tremendous success in the NBA. Dylan's is Dylan got drafted in the second round. Dylan was an outstanding player in college. Right. His Oregon teammates went ahead of him, right? And there he is in the second round, and, you know, he's not supposed to be where he is. And so he has to fight for it. He's on that second-round contract for the first couple of years, and he has more confidence than I would say probably 80% of the stars in the NBA. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he's just that guy where he thinks at any given moment. Now, sometimes early in his career, he would be overzealous about that. He would get tunnel vision, but I was always, while it would be frustrating, I knew it was coming from a good place because all he cares about is winning. He'll do anything it takes to win the game. And so he thinks that him taking the shot is what the best course of action is to win the game, right? But he's been able to harness that and play within team concept now. And that is coach, 100%. He even joked at one of the press conferences of which he's wearing a fur and huge glasses, right? <sighs> even coach got me passing now. You know what I mean? Like, so he's, he's hard. He's harnessed that. Um, Bane is like your consummate, awesome in college. Everybody passed on me. I'm going to make everybody pay. And I, it is going to fuel me every day of my life. It's like that. You remember when Draymond, now I know you were covering them, Logan. Remember when Draymond could name off every single player that was drafted ahead of him? Yes, still can. When he could, when he still can. Still can. I, I'd bet you Bain could. I bet you he could. He was, he was drafted 30th. He went at Josh Green. In. He went at him. <laughs> he went at him. Went in Dallas, and it was like, I played at TCU. These guys told me they liked me. They went with the other guy and he had his career <laughs> high and looked at the score sheet and said, did he play tonight? He Ooh. had not played. Hey. He had not Flex played. Bombs. He had not played. I mean, you might've read that story yesterday. Tim McMahon put out where, uh, you know, he hit a three and uh, turned to LeBron and said, you know, cause LeBron like did the big, like stamping behind him right when he was about to hit a three and he banged the three and he looked at him and he said, ain't nobody scared of those footsteps. <laughs> I mean, he is, you know what I mean? That's a personality thing. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. And so when you take that kind of personality that a guy already has, and then you draft him 30th, so there's 29 other teams that he wants to set fire to. That's I what mean, you get. That's oh. what you get. He he had his best game, though, against the Knicks, though, because it was February 2nd, 2022, <laughs> and the player wearing number 22, Desmond Bain, shot 4 of 18 from the floor, 22.2%, and racked up two assists, two steals, two blocks, two fouls, and two turnovers, according to at can't find my socks on NBA Reddit. Uh, so. <laughs> that's great. If you see this morning, he retweeted it and said, that's hell. Yeah, <laughs> Angel number 22 going wild last night. And you know what's crazy? He had what? He was four for 18. He hit the biggest shot of the game last night. He well, put the game away it. against the Knicks last night. Do you know what kind of shot? First of all, I, I, I don't watch as many of those games as you do, right? I can't. Um, yep. When he shot that shot, I was like, oh, hell, okay, okay. <laughs> really? Okay. Yeah, I mean, I just, the way it played out in my mind, now, I, yep. now granted, I played a decade ago, right? Like, yep. like you get it, you get it semi-kicked ahead, it's kind of a two-on-one, it's that late in the game. 
toe in the line was not what we did at that point. You know, like you wouldn't even have been at the three point line because you were running for a layup. Um, That's right. So kind of like my, but it's just a best just a big shot, man. That takes a lot. That's a kudos to you, kiddo. Big shot. <laughs> All right. I want to go to the questions real quick. We got some questions. I want to go to Big Jake. I don't know where you're from, Jake, but we out here. <laughs> I'm going to start out with KOC and we're going to, this is going to just go around. Assuming all teams are healthy, do the Grizzlies match up well and have a better shot at beating the Warriors or the Suns in the playoffs? KLC, what, what you got with this one? What, what do you have? He's <laughs> coming uh, in hot. Jake's coming in hot. I mean, probably neither, but better chance. I think, I, I don't know, uh, probably, probably Phoenix, maybe. I don't know. That's tough, dude. Uh, that's very tough. Um, I guess I'd rather face those eight minutes than dream on at the five minutes. But then again, you could go with Jaron Jackson at the five. I just think that puts such a strain on your guard and wing depth to have to deal with that for a full series. But the fact or even that questions even being asked and like you can kind of give a semi-serious answer. The fact we're already at that point with this Grizzlies team, that that's kind of crazy when you're just... I don't know. I never thought about it like in that perspective, like who could they beat more in the playoffs? Um, yeah. <laughs> is that a, is that a thing people are talking about in Memphis? Chris, a lot <laughs> no, right no, now. No. They don't. <laughs> they're the three seed. I know, they're the like, three are, seed. Are, are Wake fans up. talking about can we beat the Suns? Can we beat the Warriors? Are they talking no. about that? No, no, really? no. We're enjoying this. This is just Jay from where we don't know where he's from. Hey, <laughs> but let me just tell you, it's a hundred percent the Warriors would be the team. Oh, you, they, not the Suns. The Suns are the best team that I have seen in person this year. And the Suns are a bad matchup. Bad matchup. They've got full grown ass men, <laughs> veterans. They can put bridges on Morant. The, the Warriors don't have anybody to guard Ja. They don't have anybody. They have Andrew they don't Wiggins. They have a wing to put on him. Who? Andrew Wiggins. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> He might break Wilt's record if that happens. Look, they don't have anybody to guard him. And the Grizzlies can be big against the Warriors. Go look at all the Warriors games. Yeah, they, I, I know they didn't have Clay last year. I, I they gave a dumb the, answer. I gave a dumb answer. I bet Chris. They knocked the they knocked the Warriors out last year. The Warriors had the playoffs. They beat them on their home floor. That happened. Okay, and you could say, well, they didn't have Clay Thompson. Well, okay, so now we're going to add Clay Thompson. They didn't have a full-on Jared Jackson. They didn't have Steven Adams. They didn't have a lot of guys, right? They had Dylan Brooks, who could run around with Curry and give him hell, and they don't have anybody to guard Morant. The Phoenix thing is a problem because they've got Crowder, they've got Aiton, so they could play you, you know, big and small, and then they've got Bridges, and then, obviously, you know, Chris Paul, but that that Phoenix team is much more difficult to navigate because of the personnel that they have. They are dangerous for the Warriors. They are dangerous. They were dangerous last year. This year, they've played them. They played them with their guys. They played them. Clay's second game back. They played against the Warriors. They played against the Warriors earlier this year. They were the only team for a long time to beat the Warriors on their home floor this year. Like they've got the personnel to be a problem for the Warriors, but the likewise Phoenix has the personnel to be a problem for them. So I, if it's those two, I mean that's I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't think twice. I that that Phoenix team, I mean they there was a game earlier this year they came into Memphis and they beat the shit out of the Grizzlies. <laughs> I'm talking like bad. Same with Miami. Those are the two teams that I've seen that I was like, oh, Lord, this is a problem. Um, again, full-grown-ass men, tough, right? Like, that's kind of what my hammy was. And so, you're a young team. You know what I mean? Yep. They don't have a bunch of – they got one dog on that Warriors team. You know what I mean? And he's got a bad back. Mm. Oh, he's talking big shit right now. Sure. Big shit right now. Right. As the kids would say, Oh shit. Yes, sir. The boy with the <laughs> That's what you wanted. Rah. 
Bro. Oh my god! <laughs> who you, you, okay, you're the last. Who, who you got? Who you got? Do you I'm not, like, how do I follow that? Like, what I don't do you know mean? how you follow that. <laughs> There's shit, no following dude. that. I'm going. I'm going with. I'm going with with Verna. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> All right, I just. I, I agree with Vernon too. <laughs> yeah, hey, yeah. Guys, I'm, hey, I've got I've got KOC as a convert. That was that good. I have a, re- I ha- I have a slight rebuttal, but he made such Uh-oh. great points that I that I what the fuck. But I do have a slight rebuttal because I am in the Bay and I do yep. see this team. I think from a Golden State Warriors perspective, they see the Grizzlies, but they're at the stage where they're not gonna they're not gonna give the Grizzlies enough credit. They're not even gonna like they're not even gonna give them the, the satisfaction because in their minds the Grizzlies haven't earned it yet. It's funny because before the Grizzlies played uh, Golden State, maybe a few months, a couple months ago, um, Steve Kerr was asked if it would be a, a playoff matchup. Is it even a playoff? He was like, No, we're not even there yet. We're not there yet. We're not. He said that pre. He said that that, that pregame, like it, it, it was it was it was it was eye opening the way he said it. He dismissed it so fast, and I think they lost that game because I don't I don't know if the, they did. I, they lost it. It was in chase, and so. Um, but the thing that I that I, I would I would say this seems like Verno, seems like 2010 Oklahoma City's vibes with with this team where they're not there yet and. You could say Utah. They be, they they played really well against you. Though they paid their dues, but Utah's a different team when it comes to experience at that level. You still, at the end of the day, you are going to play against Steph. You're going to play against Dre. You're going to be against Clay, who have been there before. And there is a lot to be said about that. And I always think about with this with when I think about the Grizzlies. I think about when OKC played in 2010 first round against the uh, the Lakers, and that was the end of Kobe's run. That was the last title the Lakers won with Kobe. And it was a, t- I don't know if you remember that series, but it was a tough six game series. It, it damn near was a seven game series in terms of energy, but it was a six game series. Lakers won in the last seconds in Oklahoma city because of a Pau Gasol tip in, but it was, it was a lot harder than, than you would think. I, th- if I look at that series, I see that going that I see it going that way where the Grizzlies put a whole ass scare into the Warriors and I don't see them winning it necessarily. But totally I do fair. see. I, but I do see them. Okay, this is the last time we got a shot at this team. I I, I, I see that more so. You you coming in make hot? No and mistake. I respect Nobody. It, but I don't, I, I'm I don't, not I don't saying. So. Hey, they could. They make. They, they make quick work of the Warriors. They beat the Warriors. I don't know. Yeah. I'm just comparing them to the other team for sure. I promise you this. It wouldn't be five games. No, it won't. And it, here's the one thing. And to your point, the one thing that I I. I think that that would be the Warriors Achilles heel is their front court. It is. I, I don't I don't think because Wiseman isn't back yet. Um, you're putting a lot of strain on Kevon Looney, who's played really, really well this season. And they make no mistake about that. But when you talk about a front court who's big, like a Steven Adams, Steven Adams always giving the Warriors problems. You give, you put Jaron Jackson, you and you. This is an aging Draymond. I don't, I don't care what you say about him playing in the postseason. It's an aging Draymond. So I agree with you per se in terms of matchup, but but I think in terms of experience, I think the Warriors would beat. Ain't nobody asked you that shit though. That wasn't even the question. Hey, hey, hey! Fuck off. That wasn't even the question. The question. Come on. He the knew he got- was gonna. He knew that all his Golden State fans were gonna. That's he it. Say, you That's said it. I'd I gotta go buy. to chase tonight. That's it. I gotta go to chase tonight. I gotta. <laughs> you I gotta said I'd only buy and listen to him talk about how the Grizzlies <laughs> could be a problem, but, and but, you didn't say shit. But <laughs> doesn't want Raymond Ritter to pull your credential tonight. We don't. Raymond Warriors PR listens to the real ones, right? But I do think no. To your point, though. Suns are a problem, man, and I don't like it's. It's just a weird time right now for the. I think this this speaks more to just the transition we're seeing in the Western Conference. I do think that the Grizzlies in the next few years are going to be one of those teams that are just consistently in the top three. I think this is one of those those years where it's they're gonna they're gonna surprise a lot of people. And if they if they beat either one of those teams, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. I don't think they're winning a the title, but if they put a fucking scare in those teams, I would not be surprised. Well, and the other thing is they got to get out of the first round. Look, yep. I mean, everybody knows this. You, 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 you have to earn respect and you have to take your lumps. You know, if you're, let's say they stay at three and we look up at the end and they got to play Jokic and a healthy Murray who have been through wars. You know what I mean? You got to go to the playoffs and you got to win playoff series before 
me or anybody is going to chalk you up as a winner. I was just speaking of, of the matchup of those top two teams. I, does anybody? Look, all of this is a dream. You got to remember, I walked out of that arena. I did the postgame show on the 19th game of the season. And the Grizzlies were 9-10. and 10. They were 9-10. and 10. And John Morant got carried off the court by two people. All right? Yeah. And they lost 132 to 100 to the Atlanta Hawks. I don't know if I have ever been more low walking out of an arena than I was that night. I mean, they just, they're, they're 500. They're a game under 500. They've just gotten beat by 32 points. And, oh, my God, this guy's going to be out for the year. This is good. This, like, anything but a lottery year would be a miracle if he's really going to be out. I mean, we thought he tore his knee. You know, now, by the next morning, miraculously, you know, the MRI comes back. It's not nearly as bad as anybody thought. But from that night on, they are now 27-8. and eight. From that point, that night that I walked out, they've lost eight games. They're 27 and eight. And post Christmas, so starting December 26th, they're 17 and four. All of this uh, stuff is such a dream that, like, you know, you can't believe it's happening anyway. So you're not focused on, hey, could we beat the Warriors? Could we beat the Suns? Could we beat whatever? It's like, yo. This is amazing. You're going to have home court, which gives you, and their home court is bananas in the playoffs. Oh, yes. Bananas. Like, they will be on top of you. And so, you're going to have home court, but you still may have to catch a Lakers. You may have to catch a Nuggets. You may have to catch some team with grown men that have played in the playoffs, that get calls, and that have won over and over again when the stakes are the highest. And that's the credit that you have to give, you know, Golden State. Though nobody asked you, I do agree. You You do have to give them credit for that. Touche, motherfucker. I mean, there's the problem. I mean, so you got to get out of the first round before you worry about the second round. But they'll be there for a long time with the chance. I would just add to that because I'm agreeing with, with everything. And you said it's something about proving to everyone else before they give you a shot that you can get out of the first round. Sometimes you got to prove it to yourself. Sometimes, you know, you got, you know, that, that experience or or lack thereof, or the experience of losing, it it looms over you a little bit. So you got to exercise those demons for yourself um, as much as anybody else too. Sometimes you can go all the way though, like Joe Burrow and it's quarterback of Cincinnati Bengals, like with all the young guys they have on offense, sometimes you just keep on going. Even as you are proving it. That young, you know, I, I remember coming into the league as just, it, it happened so fast and being dropped in. Now, mine was a lot faster than any of these guys because they played a whole season. But point being, when you're young and you are and you don't know any better and you're playing with house money, that's a scary thing to see um, tipping off across from you. Do you know what I mean? Because there, there are no real expectations. Some of those teams that you're talking about, Logan, expectations are high. And while seasoned, I mean... You know, you know what you're playing for. Some of these dudes, they're, that's dangerous. Yeah. You're playing with young house money, don't know no better. There's no pressure. Right. Because there's no pressure even from your fan base. Nah, y'all have it's all just fun. Right? It's a good time. That's yep. a good point. What's the difference in, and we're talking, we're talking about fans, what's the difference between fan energy towards this team versus the the gold standard, the the magnum opus Grit and grind. I would say that this team for sure has taken over the city like that team did, where it's like everywhere you go, if if you've got a Grizzly shirt on or you see somebody else with one, yeah, people are talking about it. People are talking <laughs> about it all the time. And obviously everywhere I go, people talk about it, right? But so I'm probably not the best example. <laughs> but I can also tell that, 
you know, I, local I, I, celebrity. I, I, I yeah. Yeah. Talk your shit, Bruno. Talk your shit. What, talk your shit. What, what do you want me to say? I mean, that's all he's anybody like, wants he, to talk to me Chris, about. I, I, Chris is like, I've never paid for a meal in my life. <laughs> I've paid for, hey, I'm not to, I'm not to a free meal level yet. <laughs> but if anybody wants to give me some free food, <laughs> no, never going to say that um, there. <laughs> you know, people want to talk about the Grizzlies. Um, Everywhere you go, and I would say the energy now, this is, it's a little bit different just because, you know, that 2011 team, which has started the whole thing, they knocked off the Spurs and as an eight seed, you know, they knocked off the number one and that's how it all started with them knocking off that team and 11 then just, it started seven years of success. But even until Battier hit the shot in game one against the Spurs, um, they had never won a playoff game as a franchise. All we had known is disappointment. Been to the playoffs three times, lost all 12 games. Um, And when they ended up playing that Spurs team and beating them, then they took over and everybody, you know. But until that moment, like we were talking about earlier, nobody really believed that they were going to knock off the Spurs. It was like, geez, just don't get swept again. We can't be the only team that's gone 0-16. We thought they were good. People have a much different feeling about this team, and the feeling is because of Ja, right? That that, that hope and that anything is possible type of thing where it's like you now envision. That was always catch the right matchups, who knows? And they did go to the West Finals one of the years. Um, But you always knew that when you look through the history of the NBA, there's a superstar on those teams. Mm -hmm. End of story. Even if it's just one like it was in Dallas, there's a superstar on those teams that wins. And We tried to talk ourselves into maybe we could be like those old Pistons. They didn't really have a superstar, but they had an accumulation. I mean, that was such a abnormality, right? And you look back and you realize how abnormal that was. You've got the guy. And that's what's different about this one is that the fan energy, everybody knows we've got the guy. That's the guy that can be the best player on a title team. And so that is a different energy. It's a different energy because Zebo and Tony Allen, these guys, like they could go to Bruce Chris and eat dinner, you know, and people will be like, hey, love you. Take a couple pictures, whatever. Maria <laughs> can't go anywhere. He can't go anywhere. He can't go anywhere in the country. He can't go anywhere in the world right now. <laughs> you, you know just, what I'm saying? You like, just tell Ja. You tell Ja, right? When you see him. That when that when that signature pair drops. Oh mm-hmm. boy. All right. That I got a couple young bucks because I was first on the parade. Mm-hmm. Yep. I when I was I was on a bandwagon first with the signature shoe. So you just tell him that. It's gotta be the all-star game, right? They can't have him going out there. He's starting the game. He can't go out there and like KD's or Kyrie's. They've already done the campaign I, it, for him. Come on, man. Like no. people don't even understand. I could like you're like, and I wasn't even an all-star. I could go out in anything like regular all-stars could not superstars, bro. You need your own shit. Get that man mm-hmm. a shoot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hashtag, hashtag stop fucking playing with Roger before shit gets real. Uh, <laughs> man just needs his shoe, bro. I'm telling you, he's that, he's that type of, I believe I'm with everything Verno just said. I mean, like I'm, I believe him to be that, and he's only getting better. Like that cat is only ascending as a star. Have there been rumblings about it at all? Have we oh, seen? Oh yeah, any he's news? getting a shoe. There are? Yeah. Okay. So this year you heard he's it getting here first. Shoe. <laughs> yeah, he's getting a shoe. Is that is that like public information? Or is this like grizzly sources? <laughs> oh no, I mean, like they filmed a commercial on oh, Beale okay. Street. Okay. Cool. You know what I mean? Oh, they already well, did a cool. says who campaign. The shoe is on the way. Look, he is, I think he's he's in the top 10 in jersey sales. Uh, he was just second in fan voting, media, and players, all three. So everybody agrees, you know, and his... It's a good time I mean, for it. The metrics stardom, are there. His risen. Oh, 
He'll sell a boatload of shoes. He'll sell a boatload yeah. of I mean, shoes. Even, even just his name, you know, I got yep. the new Jaws. The oh, Jaw yeah. ones, Jaw twos, you know, it's just, it's just a great name for a sneaker. Roger doesn't <laughs> do is. that sneaker app shit. He doesn't do that line shit. I think he might. Would you stand in line for some Air Jaws or would you stay? Or, or are you just, we need to get the package and then you stop fucking playing with you? <laughs> I don't stand in line for I'm anything. Not, yeah, I'm not. No, man. Jaw, come on, dog. From where from where you came from, bro, that's got to be accessible. People got to be able to touch that. We ain't no lines enough. Nike, flood the market, dog. Let's get them Jaws out there. The fuck that exclusive. You're only selling seven pairs. You got 10 million mofos trying to get the shoe. Uh, <laughs> stop playing. Hey. Well, I mean, what the hell is that? Hey, man, I feel you, dog. So Verno's rant somehow put out all the power in his house. So he's going to do ruin of the week in the dark. Um, we are. Some, please be safe out there, Verno. Hey, there's a this, ice what, storm this is what they keep Memphis, saying. Dog. That's Josh slogan. Welcome to the yeah. dark. Let's get to Road of the Week. I'm going to start it off. Then we will go to Ron. Then we will go to our esteemed guest. I'm going to go I'm gonna take a Memphis centric. <laughs> I'm going to roll Road of the Week. They ain't even, I don't even know if they played in, in here this week. I'm going to go with FedEx Forum, baby, because I've had so much fucking fun at FedEx Forum. Shout out to FedEx Forum for all the times I watched the, the, the Grizzlies play there, but also one of my favorite times of all time. Was going to birthday bash. Hey, Ra, you got to lock in the birthday bash. You got to bring in the kids to, down to Memphis to go to birthday bash every single year. It's like summer jam. It's locked in. I got to see. I got to see. Uh, who, I, who was there? Meek Mill was there. There was a guy that put bread, a whole bunch of money on the stage and did um, snow angels in it. It was great. It was awesome. It was worth the price of admission. I had a great time. <laughs> Um, shout out to FedEx Forum. I love Memphis. I have a lot of fun in Memphis every time. Shout out to the city. I'll be back soon. I'm getting drinks with Verno, okay? We're, we're going to lock in. <laughs> we're, we're tapping in. We're avoiding ice storms. Raja, who was your real one of the week? Yeah, okay. That was, all right, my real one of the week. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with Brian Flores. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to go with Brian Flores. This is, a, this is an anti-NFL or anti-Dolphins, Giants, or Broncos, anything like that. I just... I mean, there is a problem in 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 the NFL with their hiring practices. Um, it needs to be illuminated. And I mean, you gotta be a brave dude to stand up and and take on an entity like the NFL. God dog. But he's a real one for what he did, man. And, yeah. and it needed to be done. And so he's my real one of the week. KLC, who is your real one of the week? I came prepared with a Grizzlies answer. Kyle Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> Slow yeah, <up>. smooth. Yeah. <laughs> just, just because I think that's like the other thing about this Grizzlies team is they just have some great characters uh, on their team. Just some fun players to watch. Like Kyle Anderson's nickname coming out of UCLA when people call him Slow Mo. I mean, it is. <laughs> we, we we said earlier about the, that that nickname for Desmond Bain, the Block Panther, or no, for Jaron Jackson Jr. Yeah, uh, the Block Panther. That's a corny nickname. Slow Mo. Slow Mo is a perfect. Nickname <laughs> for and Kyle Anderson. I just love watching him play basketball. And uh, yeah, so Kyle Anderson. I was effusive in my praise on the Memphis Grizzlies, but I said, and I and I, w- I was going to give this to John Morant for last night after the game. They were talking. They were asked about being the bo- biggest trash talking team in the league, and he said, "Ain't no running in the M. We run up the chimney. We ain't ducking no smoke. We're gonna let everybody know we're here." And I loved it. <laughs> But I talked so much about them today. I'm giving this to Joe Burrow, who was asked by a media member if his diamonds were real. What is wow. that? <laughs> that was a great wow, that's a foul. He said, I make a lot of money. Of course, it's real. <laughs> yeah. Get him, Joe yeah. Shiesty. And Joe Burrow, somehow it's like his story has, it's, I think that it's, we've lost sight of it. So I, I cover uh, SEC football, too, during the falls. And Joe Burrow, when he transferred from Ohio State, he played. a. It, it's like his story picks up with this Heisman Trophy year and an amazing year at LSU, and then he gets drafted number one. He played his junior year, and he wasn't any good. And <laughs> everybody, you know, if you were to have ranked the SEC quarterbacks going into his senior year, he probably would have been like sixth, seventh. On your list, nobody, I think he had 16 touchdowns his junior year. And then he had 60 his senior year, right? And it feels like that's where the story picks up. But the story is really, 
you know, he was told at Ohio State, you're not going to be the starter. You're not good enough to start here. And then he went to LSU, had a grinder year. He gets teamed up with this guy, Joe Brady, who unlocks him completely. And then next thing you know, he's number one. And the other thing that gets lost is the kid ripped up his knee completely a year ago. You know what I mean? He only played a couple games. So this is his first full season being an NFL quarterback. And he gets the shit kicked out of him every game, every game. And he's playing in the Super Bowl. And he's got real diamonds. You can't you can't be more real than that. <laughs> Oof. Okay. Fuck. This is a blast, man. This is a fucking blast. Thanks, guys, for coming yep. on. I really I really appreciate this. We've been trying to do this for for years. No, legitimately trying to get this happening. So I'm happy to happen. Oh, you will be on ours. Don't just wait. We're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna schedule <laughs> this and you guys have to in, you gotta invade the mismatch. Let's fucking yes. do it. This has been the Grizzlies Palooza edition of the real <laughs> mismatch in this motherfucker. All right. We will see you guys on Monday for real ones. But in the meantime, make sure you let's pay some bills real quick, Rob. Make sure you check out Upside High with Jonathan Sharks and J. Kyle Mann. Make sure you check out Weekends with Waz and make sure you fall in the void, fall in the void every Wednesday <laughs> with my guy. KLC, we out here. I've been meaning to do that. Make sure you check out group <laughs> chat. Make sure you check out The Answer with Siren Sohi and Chris Ryan. Make sure you check out R2C2 with who? Roger Bell. Baleo legend, the Crest Cyclone, CC Sabathia. Let's keep the motherfucking propaganda going. Check out Black Girl Songbook with who? Roger Bell. You know I hate when you do that, but I love her. Town legend, Danielle Smith. In the motherfucking building. Holla.